Hello, and welcome to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast, episode number 195. I'm Delane Vaughn. I am a physician, a board-certified family practitioner. I'm a former ER nurse. I'm a veteran healthcare provider and the host of this podcast. This podcast is for women who are not ready to let go of their longevity, of their vitality, of the vigor, of the gumption that has made their life their life. This is for women that know that life is a gift and they're not ready to let go of that into a downward spiral of disease and medications. I think most of us realize when we get older, that there's a loss maybe to the crispness of our life, of our exuberance, of our stamina. It might dull a bit, but most of us are not ready to blunt it out entirely. When we get a diagnosis like type 2 diabetes or prediabetes, we get a warning shot at that longevity, at that vitality of that thing that makes us us, makes us who we are and the spirit of who we are. And we want to stop that. The more we learn about type 2 diabetes, the more, more we realize it's a process that has to actually be reversed, not just maintained on meds, in order for us to maintain our gumption, the spunk, the spirit of who we are. This podcast is dedicated for strategies or two strategies to help you the woman out there with this, this situation of having a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes, this is for you to help reverse this, help get started on living a naturally healthy life. So let's do that. Today, we're going to talk about part three of my journey. Um, episode, I think number 192 and 194, I talked about part one and part two. Um, this is episode number 195 and I'm talking about, um, part three in that journey. Really, what is it like to live a naturally healthy life? Um, before we get started, I want to, uh, touch base on if you're on medications, I go through this every week because I think it's really important. If you are medicated for your type two diabetes, please be very careful in making the changes that I recommend in this podcast. The changes that I recommend in this podcast um, will likely mean that you need different medications. You have been medicated based on the way you have eaten in the past. And when you start eating, eating differently, you may need to have those medications adjusted. So please be careful if you are medicated for your type 2 diabetes and you're making these changes. Have a clear line of communication open with your medical provider so that you can give them a call, let them know what your blood sugars are, and they can make adjustments, give you um, recommendations on what meds they want you to change. So again, if you are on medications, please call your doctor, find out how they want you to give your blood sugar logs to them so that they can help guide you through medication changes. Um, before we get started, I would ask that if you're finding help from this podcast, if you've listened to a number of episodes and they've found them very helpful and you're getting results, please rate and review the podcast. Doing this allows the podcast we put up just based on the algorithm, the podcast will be presented to more people and those folks can get the same help that you're getting. Also follow me on Instagram and Facebook. If you follow me on Instagram, you may be aware that we just got chickens. So if you're watching on YouTube right now on the Delane MD YouTube channel, you can see there is a little bin behind me and you might even be able to hear them. My chirpy little chickens. We got baby chicks this weekend. So um, follow me on Instagram and Facebook because you see these things. But not only that, you learn about things that I'm offering. So this month and the month of April, I actually, I'm recording this on April 23rd, but on April 24th, there will be um, a webinar on stress and diabetes and the management of stress and diabetes. If you want to get in on that, send me a message to lean at delenemd.com. If you want to know where it's at, it will actually be posted on the YouTube channel. So you can find it there if you're listening after April 24th of 2023. 
So all of that's available to you and you will find out about those things on Instagram and and uh, Facebook. So follow me on there. Make sure you subscribe to the um, YouTube channel because that is where you can get these podcasts immediately. They go live. I broadcast them live and they go up immediately. And then if you want to listen to them on the podcast players, that's fine too. But uh, you can get that information out there a little earlier. So Let's talk about what I think or my experience of living a naturally healthy life. Um, this has definitely been a long, like there's, it's been just um, a progress, a, a process. There's been progression. It's not, it wasn't like one day I was living this way and the next day I wasn't. It was not like that. In episode number or the part number one of this series of podcast episodes, I talked about how exacerbated I was with myself, how fearful I was that I wasn't gonna be able to fix this and how I was just, um, in this stage of really almost borderline hopelessness when I finally, um, realized I needed to do something different. The thing that I always say, the, like the, I remember having this run through my head, who am I going to go to for help? When am I going to go to my doctor? I am the doctor. And when I realized that I couldn't trust what we had been taught in medicine to fix this problem for me, because I knew it wasn't the food. I knew the food was a problem. I couldn't figure out why I was eating it, why I continued to eat the food. And there was no medicine. There was no physician. There was no nothing within the healthcare system that was going to help me figure that part out. And that was very fearful to me. Of course, I'd given my life to medicine. Like, like that's my professional career. That's where I put my uh, my education resources and my professional resources had been put into the healthcare system in America. And I realized that that wasn't going to help me get healthy. And that was very scary to me. So um, that's kind of what part one talks about is me getting to that place of just being just almost flabbergasted with myself and fearful that I was going to have to finally, I was going to have to get old and start, you know, utilizing medications to keep me from dying. And that was terrifying to me. Part two, I talked about the persistent coming back to it, the willingness to do the hard work, like to figure out why I was doing the things and then like continue to strive for the goal that I wanted, even though it seemed like I just kept failing. I just kept failing at it. I just couldn't figure it out and to continue to persist in that direction, even when it would have been so much more comfortable to quit is really what it comes down to. And then this episode, I'm really going to talk about what it's like, what one part, what the mindset is, but then what creates long lasting action change that has really led me to where I'm at. And then I'm going to use a couple examples. So whenever I think about what it's like to be in this phase where again, my weight has been what I want my weight to be. Now, every morning is what I want it to be. You know, sometimes it's two or three pounds up, but the next day it's one and a half, two pounds down, right? Like, it's not like my weight is one fixed weight every day. That's not the reality of it, but it is intentional. Like my weight's between 130 and 133. Sometimes on the weekend, I'll eat something salty and it will pop up to 134, 135. But by Tuesday morning, it's back down to 132. That's just where I live with the scale. There was a time where I wanted to be in the 125 range, and it was. It was 125 to 128 very consistently. Again, maybe I'd eat something salty and it would pop up, but for the most part, I lived in that space. I intentionally, about a year and a half ago, put on five to 10 pounds. Sometimes it's seven pounds, sometimes 
you know, three or four pounds, but I intentionally put on weight in the form of muscle. I wanted it to be in muscle and I don't know, I don't measure exactly. That's possible. I could do that. I just don't how much is muscle and how much isn't, but that was, that's, I have intentionally got myself to a higher weight and it's been meant to be. It's not like it's out of control and I can't help it. When I was like starting this work, it was very out of control. I felt like I was not in any control over my weight. This weight where I'm at is still 10, 15 pounds lighter than I was when I started this process. So um, one part of what I, for me, what my goal was, was weight, but the other part was really optimal health, health, optimizing my biomarkers. So my biomarkers, my A1C, I have it here. I want to say it was 4.9. Maybe it was 4.8. This last test when I was in February, um, my ALT is another biomarker that I look like. That's a liver enzyme and mine, I think was nine. It usually is right around nine under 10 somewhere. Um, my fasting insulin is undetectable, meaning that I get a less than reading when I go through the lab to get those. Um, my fasting blood sugar is, you know, always under 90 on the labs. Now, sometimes I will have a fasting blood sugar on my finger sticks that are not, that are like 106. Occasionally it comes up as 106. My other numbers look good and are normal. So I don't usually lose too much sleep over that. But I understand that, you know, that's part of the normal existence of a human being. You're going to have some numbers that are higher, some numbers that are lower. That is not, you know, there's not one single number that necessarily defines being diabetic or not being diabetic. So I'm happy with those numbers. So those were um, a big part of what else I wanted to see was kind of this um, normalization or this optimization really of my numbers of my biomarkers. And I've definitely seen those normalize out. So part of it was my weight and part of it is this optimization of my biomarkers. For me, that's what living a naturally healthy life means for me. What it has taken to get there is really an alteration and adjustment in my relationship with myself and with food. The ability to trust myself and the ability to see what the foods that I'm eating actually do to me. What happens here? Why is this food, you know, why do I keep having this problem with this food? Like, and I want to do it in an intentional way and not going behind my back and eating food that I knew would make me sick. And then praying that it like, wasn't going to happen. Like the weight wasn't going to go up or my blood sugars are still going to normalize, even though I was downing M&Ms all the time. Right. So for me, there were two parts of it. One was this, um, weight part. One of it was this optimization of my biomarkers, but underneath the undercurrent to both of those things was really this relationship with myself and food. And that's what I really had to work on. There are two things that kind of, two currents that kind of run, um, or that has been my, my experience at running through all of this. One is the finding out of more information. This has been done through a variety of ways. This has been through gleaning information from books and journals and, you know, Science Magazine and the American Academy of Family Practitioners and JAMA and all of those. One has been gleaning information. That has been part of it. Part of it, though, has also been that I see how my body works with this. And part of that is like from journaling, right? Like, so when I, I would use a food log, I used, I logged my foods, I planned my foods, and, you know, when I plan these foods, what happens to my body and what happens in my brain? Again, like most of the time I knew what was going to happen with my body. 
if I ate cottage cheese and bell peppers and sunflower seeds, and then I had chicken and salad, if I had those foods, I knew what was going to happen with my blood sugars and it wasn't going to be a problem. What I didn't know what was going to happen is how much chatter was there going to be mid-afternoon that I wasn't having chocolate and I wasn't having Diet Cokes. Like that was the part of my brain. That was a relationship with me and my food that I had to work through. Not necessarily the gleaning of information about what happens biologically with my body when I eat foods. The other side of that was if I ate chocolates or ice cream or cake or whatever, like what happened with my body? Again, I have a pretty good idea of what that was. What would happen with my brain was information that I didn't, I never taken the chance to learn about. Okay. So for me, there was a ton of information that I had to glean and I had to give myself permission. And that kind of part two of this, like the second part of this journey to try to figure out like what works for me in all the ways, not only for my biology, but what also works for my brain and my relationship with me and my food. For me, I realized like, oh, when I eat junk food, when I eat candy, when I eat ice cream, when I eat cake, I think about it all day long for the next four days. And I create a lot of chatter in my brain about that. And that's just part of what comes when I eat that food. It's not that I'm broken or that my brain's broken or anything's wrong with me. It's just, that's what that food does to the human brain. And so for me, I kind of, the underlying tone that always has gone through my head, and I don't know if this is just because I'm a Kansas kid and we take sort of Oz lore very seriously here, or if everybody would see it this way, but the, you know, scene in the Wizard of Oz, when Dorothy sees that the wizard is not that hologram on the screen that's so big and larger than life and scary, but Toto pulls the curtain away and you can see it's just a man operating a machine. And the knowledge of that it's just a man and how it like the vision, the hologram on the screen really lost its power to create fear because you saw what it really was, right? For me, once I saw what that food really, really did to me and really was, there was a loss of power. Like I couldn't unsee that. I couldn't unacknowledge that. No more than Dorothy could unsee the wizard behind the curtain, the man behind the curtain that was the Wizard of Oz, right? So that was one of the main currents that I have seen over the last number of years just recreate for me, just keep coming up. Like, oh, you knew or in your brain, you thought you knew that M&Ms were a problem, but you loved them so much. Now, when you take a break from the M&Ms and you come back to them and you really see how intense the problem is when you eat M&Ms, like, oh yeah, that really is real. That's not in my head. That's real. I'm not going to, you know, I can't unsee that. So that's been one part of it. The other part of it that's probably more empowering has been the three steps to change. And I've talked about this on the podcast before because I do, again, it's very empowering and um, really breaks down like what we need to do to create long lasting action change in our life. But there are three A's, the three A's of change. There's the awareness of the need for the change, the acceptance of why we do it, of what it is, and then the action change. And most of us do a really great job of becoming aware we need a change. And most of us see that we need to do, we need to have an action that's different. Where we really don't do a great job is accepting that this is the way it, it has been up to this point. So there are kind of two types of acceptance we can have. And most of us wallow around for quite some time in, the, in one side, and it doesn't really get us where we want to be. And I'm going to talk about why. But then there's this other side of it that really does end up giving us the results that we want. So 
acceptance can be a judged acceptance. We can accept what's going on with judgment, or we can accept what's going on with neutrality. So what does it sound like? When we accept stuff that's going on with judgment, it sounds like I want the M&Ms, but I can't stop eating them. I wish I'd stop wanting them. If I just didn't want them, it would be easier. It's wrong to want them. I shouldn't want them. I should know better. Wanting them is clearly a problem. This food is bad. That's the judgment chatter that we hear in our head, right? Versus the neutral acceptance part that we hear in our, that that we can develop over time is like, oh, of course I want M&Ms. Why wouldn't I want M&Ms? Like M&Ms are wanted. I mean, like most people want M&Ms, right? That's the way they're actually designed is to create desire in my brain that I want more of them. Okay. So when we're in this stage of judgment versus in this stage of acceptance, we spend all of our resources, all of our mental resources, thinking about like our mental, our thoughts as money and we're, how are we spending that resource? How are we spending our thoughts? How are we spending our money? We invest all of our mental resources, all of our mental money into judging why we do this. And we keep just coming up with a list, a longer, 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 longer list of judgments about what we're trying to accept, about this reality that we're trying to accept. When we do that, when we spend all of our resources investing in that, we are not spending in re- our resources is in changing and doing it differently. We're not spending our resources in figuring out a different plan, okay? So what this ends up looking like is like, oh, I shouldn't want this. It would be easier. I can't believe that I you know, still have to fight this desire versus like neutral acceptance is of course I want it. And then I love whenever I'm like, oh, it'll be easier. Like challenge that. Is that even true? Would it be easier? Is there any alternate universe where M&Ms are reality and it's easy to not want them for my brain. Is that a reality? Like, I don't know that it would ever be easier. Like that's not reality. Would it be easier? I don't think so. There's like, I don't even know what that means. If I didn't want it, would it be easier? Yes, but there would be something else that I wanted. Like that's just the way the human brain is developed, right? Like, so I don't know that it would be quote unquote easier. You would just have something else you want. It's like a heroin addict being like, man, I wish I didn't want heroin. Would it be easier if I didn't want heroin? Yeah, it'd be great if I didn't want heroin and all I wanted was M&Ms, but now I have too many M&Ms on board and now I've got the problems associated with that. Like it's not easier. It's just different right? So in my brain, whenever there's this like, oh, it's going to be easier, I get to neutrality by questioning that. Is that even true? Would it be easier? And most of the time, the answer is like, no, it'd just be different. I don't know that it would be easier. So when we're trying to create that neutral acceptance, like, of course, my brain wants M&Ms. I don't know that it would really be easier. And I don't know that it's ever going to be reality that I don't want M&Ms. And if that's the case, Like if there's not this arguing about how horrible it is or all of this resource, mental resource being turned into how, you know, awful it is from that space where I'm like, yeah, of course I want M&Ms. Then what do I want to do? That's where I can pour my mental resources into developing an action plan that creates what I want. Right. And that's why this, you have to have awareness, neutral acceptance before you can get this long lasting action plan. For me, it got to the point where it was like, well, if I'm going to always want M&Ms, like that's just the reality of my human brain is that I'm always going to want M&Ms. If that's the case, then what do I want to do going forward? What do I want to do in action? 
like in action, I want to eat salad. I want to eat salmon. I want to eat carrot sticks. I want to eat foods that match my biology, even though I want M&Ms. For me, that's what I came up with. So I think that three, those three parts of how to create long-lasting action change in your life, I think is really, really important. Again, awareness, neutral acceptance, and then action. That's how we get to long-lasting action changes. So examples where for me, I see this come up. Um, I have taught using food plans for years as a tool, and it is a tool, but I want to offer to you, I don't use food plans every day anymore. I used to. Right now, I only use them when I'm trying to create a change because I don't eat things behind my back. I always have my own back, right? Like I always am on my side. I am always on my side. And what that means for me to always be on my side means that I'm not eating foods that make me sick anymore. I don't eat foods in a way that make me sick anymore, right? So let let me re- let me emphasize that. It's not that I don't eat foods that make me sick anymore. I do not eat those foods in a way that create illness in my body. Okay. So does this mean that I don't eat anything tasty? No. Do I eat ice cream? Absolutely. It's delicious. Do I eat chocolate? Yes, I do. Do I have pizza? Yes. And if you ever question those, check out my Instagram, because usually I'm posting like when I go to Chicago, when I go with my family back to Chicago and we go to ball games and we're in Chicago, I get Chicago pizza and I get real pizza. And I usually post it because it's remarkable for me. I don't usually have it. So when I do, I post it. I like mention it. Do I eat fries? I do eat fries sometimes. Do I have Diet Cokes and M&Ms? Sometimes I do, although not as frequently as I thought I would, because as it turns out, I don't like them as much as I believed I would. They aren't really, they don't, again, I've seen behind the curtain, they just aren't what they used to be. Okay. So when I say that I don't make a plan, I don't make a plan because I don't any longer have to figure out why I continue to be drawn to these foods that don't serve me because I don't eat them anymore in a way that makes me sick. Okay. I eat things that don't make me sick. I eat things that match my biology is really what it comes down to. I eat fruit. Like pretty most days I eat fruit. Sometimes I'll have things like potatoes. Sometimes I'll have things like rice, although not so much. But again, like these are foods that people are like, ooh, that's a problem. It's causing diabetes. Can you get diabetes from fruit? Very unlikely. Again, people, nobody got diabetes from their banana problem. That's not the issue at hand. Did we get problems with diabetes because of potatoes? Maybe, maybe from like... French fries and a lot of them maybe, but not like baked potatoes or roasted potatoes. Not usually. Okay. I no longer eat foods in a way that make me sick. Okay. Most of the time, what I'm eating on a daily basis is some meat, some veggies, some fruit, sometimes some dairy. Okay. When do I use meal plans? Okay. Again, meal plans is something that I taught and that I used frequently when I was trying to figure all of this stuff out. I won't say that I've got it all figured out, but I've got it figured out well enough that my biomarkers stay in check and that my weight stays where I want. And that's what it means to live naturally healthy to me. Okay. So I know how to eat in that way, but I don't need to use the food plan to create that for me anymore. Now, what I use the food plan is if I'm trying to change something and I'm trying to create something new for me. So for me changing, like I put on weight Again, I wanted to put it on the form of protein, right? So I had to start eating more protein and I had to start eating more. When I did that, I did use food planning because I wanted to create something specific and I needed to have that data for me. 
So that is one way that I will use meal plans right now. Okay. When I'm trying to do something different or create something different. Other than that, I will use food plans. Like I'll make a food plan for myself or I'll use the logging component. Um, you know, sometimes after the holidays and I have had a lot of flowery treats and a lot of sugary treats, I will use those food plans to kind of deconstruct whatever's happening in my brain to figure out how to like get myself from Jones and for the junk all day long. Jones and for the junk. That's a great phrase. That should be a college alt band Jones and for the junk. Um, but yeah, you know, sometimes I'll use the food plan to get that kind of figured out. And so, um, those are the times that I use food plans right now. I don't really use them all the time right now. And the reason that I don't really use them all the time right now is because I don't really eat in a way that makes myself sick anymore. Like that is just part of, that's just not how we do it. And again, that's that long lasting action change. I had to neutrally accept that of course my brain was always going to want M&Ms before I could create that long lasting change. And that long lasting change doesn't need to be monitored step by step by step by step by step for me, because I understand that when I eat M&Ms, when I eat junk food, I get sick from that. And there's nothing wrong with wanting it. It's just, that's not what I eat. The other part that really has changed for me for what I do on a day-to-day basis is that I'm always on my side, always on my side. And this is again, like some of it's like what we eat, but some, most of it is this relationship we have with ourselves and with our food. I am always on my side. And if you think about being on somebody's side, right? Like if you think like, oh, my family is in an argument with the other side of the family and I'm on this side, I'm going to pick team this, I'm on their side, right? Like what does it mean to be on their side? Being on somebody's side doesn't mean that it's always easy. And it doesn't mean that nothing bad happens. And it doesn't mean that they don't get their feelings hurt. It doesn't mean that there isn't hurtful things said. And it doesn't mean that it's not uncomfortable. All of those things are probably the reality when you're on somebody's side, right? The part about being on their side is you have them, you are there for them. You are going to stand with them through all of those uncomfortable things. Okay. So for me, I am always on my side. I'm on my side when I'm disappointed. And I would say mostly I am on my side when I'm disappointed in myself. And it sounds like it's okay, baby girl. We've done this. We don't love what's happening. So we don't have to keep doing it. Like, let's just not do that anymore. I'm, I've got you. We've got this. I'm on your side. I don't, it doesn't always mean like that I don't want the foods, right? Like frequently part of being on my side is like, yeah, girl, I get it. We want that. That would be really, really nice. We're just not doing that today because we don't really like everything that comes by or that comes with it. Chocolate's a big one, right? Like I would have chocolate every day of my life because it's delicious, but I don't like the chatter in my brain that comes with the sugar. I don't like how my body feels a little bit swollen. And sometimes my stomach is upset when I have that kind of sugar. So like, yes, it would be good. And my brain wants to believe right? Wants to believe the story that it's building about the chocolate versus the reality that I know that happens with the chocolate. And that goes back to that wizard behind the curtain, right? Like your brain sees the big, scary wizard of Oz, the hologram on the wall that looks so overwhelming and huge and powerful, the almighty Oz. And it's scary. And your brain immediately wants to be fearful. That primitive brain wants to believe it and be fearful, versus the prefrontal cortex, which is, you know, rationalizing through it, but we know it's just that dude over there behind the curtain, 
right? Primitive brain says, oh my God, you love the chocolate. You want the chocolate. That's all you want. Prefrontal cortex says, actually, girl, you don't want all of those things. Okay. That's always being on my side. Okay. Um, for me, again, like I understood how some of this food feels in my body and that I don't really enjoy all of those things. Okay. For me, being on my side is having my back in both. Like you're going to feel uncomfortable. I've got you in both places. What do we want to do? Neutrally, what do we want to do just going forward? Every single meal I have, my brain wants to eat more. My primitive brain's like, let's keep going. Let's keep eating and we're eating. So let's get chocolate and we're going to have chocolate. Let's go ahead and have ice cream. Is there cake around? Because I'd like to have cake too. Every meal. And I wish that you could understand that that is the reality for every time I sit down to eat. My primitive brain will want to take over and eat more. Okay. My prefrontal cortex takes over and is like, hey, listen, we know if we do this, if we keep eating, we're going to feel badly. And if we eat all of those things, we're definitely going to feel badly. This is what I mean by being on my side. It's not that it's easy. It's not that it's fun. It's, even when it's uncomfortable, I have my back. I'm there with me. I've got it. And it's okay. We've got this. That is the work that actually leads to that long lasting change. So again, like I can't unsee what I know. I can't unsee that I know that those foods actually make me feel badly. I can't unsee that I know that those foods do not match my biology. Okay. So if I'm going to eat them, I need to be willing to accept all of these unpleasant things that aren't really what I want. Okay. So that's where that, you know, again, that Wizard of Oz um, visualization comes in. I can't unsee it. And even when my brain tells me I want more, like all the foods, like I know the reality that comes with that. All of that information, guys, came from collecting data about what I eat, from planning my food, from logging my food, from watching what I eat and seeing what comes of it. That's where that tool is so incredibly helpful until you get to a point where you're just not doing that to yourself anymore. And that does happen. Okay. So there are some tools that we use to get us to this like action change, this long lasting action change, but we have to be willing to work through them. And it's uncomfortable when you're working through them. This is the, like, for me, this has been my experience of living that naturally healthy life of being in that place where intentionally my weight's where I want it to be. My biomarkers are always where I want them to be. And that I feel like I'm in control of what I eat, not that the food's in control of me, that I like my relationship with food. I love, I had ice cream with my daughter last Friday, her and I, we had two chocolates and we had ice cream at the chocolate shop that we go to. And it was good. It's not as good as I remember it being, but my brain, and of course my brain, so sneaky little bastard it is. It was like, oh, you should go get a different flavor because then that will be good. And like, maybe it will be good. Maybe it won't be good, but we're just not doing that today, right? Not this argument, not pouring my resources into judging myself, not trying to talk myself out of it, but from just this neutral space, like, no, we're just not doing that, okay? It's not that I don't indulge in those things. I do. And it's not like I'm eating chocolate and ice cream going, oh girl, you're so much healthier because you're eating chocolate and ice cream. That is baloney. That's not true but it no longer takes over my life. Okay. So that's really the work that needs to be done. Again, guys, you don't need me to tell you to lay off the chocolate cake. You know, chocolate cake is the problem. That's not the work to be done. The work to be done is on this relationship with you, yourself and your food. And that's the work that we do in my coaching group. So if that's something you're interested in, send me a message, Delane at DelaneMD.com. I'm happy to get you set up for a consult. We can talk about how my program works, see if you're right for it get you enrolled for your first day and get you started on this. And six months later, you come out and 
fasting blood sugars are normal and your insulin is functioning normal and you've lost some weight and life is great. And you're on this path to figuring this out, living in this place of peace and, and in controlledness that we all look for with the food. So if that's something you're interested in, send me a message, Delane at DelaneMD.com. I'm happy to help you out. And I will be back next week. I will talk to you then. Bye-bye.